Okay, the game I like tonight is I like Houston getting one and a half for Toronto. For Toronto, this would be four out of six, four games and six nights. Um, you know, they are what they are. They're up and down, 18 wins on the season. They really are not going anywhere. Sent some guys out, including Dennis Schroeder yesterday, um, which would open up things for Emmanuel quickly, which isn't a bad thing for them. Um, but, you know, they're, they're a team trying to figure out who they are post all these trades of losing Siakam and OG and now Schroeder. And, of course, they made the trade to bring Kelly Olenek. I, on the other flip side, uh, Houston, you know, they're still playing for something. It's They're probably not going to get into the playoffs, but they're a young, young team. Um, they've been off since Tuesday, so they're well-rested. Um, I know this is a bit of a revenge spot for the Raptors. Um, you know, they got blown out in Houston last week by nearly 30 points. But I, I just kind of, I look at this, you know, Houston kind of said to the young players, we have faith in you. We're going to keep this core together. Let's go see what you can do. And I got a sense they're going to respond with a good um, showing tonight. So my bet, um, the pick I like, not bet, the pick I like tonight would be Houston getting one and a half points. You know, don't have to take it. Do what you feel is right. Um, you know, just watch. But, you know, I watch a lot of NBA, and that's my feeling. As far as the Celtics game tonight, it's a huge number. Um 16 and a half, you know, with bad teams, I usually typically try to stay away as much as possible. Although, you know, if I was going to throw something, if I did like something, it would be um, the Celtics team total first half over, which is at 65 and a half. You're listening to... Offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics. With your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. Okay, everyone. This is a real quick pod today. Want to just go over what happened yesterday, how it impacts the Celtics. And, you know, as we look forward to the rest of the season, Mike can't jump on um, to this post-trade deadline pod that we're going to do. So we're just going to do this quickly. First, the Celtics moves. Um, They brought in um, Jaden Springer from the 76ers, sending out a second-round pick. They... They sent out Danilo Blanton um, and got got back a really well-protected second-round pick from Portland that may never, ever convey. I think it's top 50 protected, a top 55, something ridiculous. So um, that was just more of an open roster spot type, type of deal for the Celtics, and I, I think that was done for salary purposes. And for the purpose of salary and tax and all that stuff, basically, I think from a fan's perspective, it doesn't really do much to change their situation now. Um, For this season, uh, they'll remain about $15 over that second apron. Um, So that doesn't really impact too much um, what they're going to pay or anything like that in terms of this season. Um, Sticking kind of with the boring financials, what this does do is it gives them um, Springer is is uh, he's already locked into his um, his option on his uh, first round draft pick deal has already been exercised. So that four million is locked in for next year. Uh, that's a good thing for the Celtics. Eh? Um, it's a good thing if they want to use that in a trade. Um, they don't have many uh, options or ability 
because of the way the salary structure is set up right now to go out in free agency and bring in um, talent in, in much of ways. Um, this Grant Williams TP will expire early into next offseason. So having a salary that you can kind of um, jumble up with other salaries like this $4 million, and they don't have many in that ballpark on the roster right now that you can use to kind of um, – in a trade potentially is is a valuable thing. I think the more valuable thing for the Celtics is they see a little bit of an upside. Um, this was a surprising trade, um, not from the sense where I think um, Springer is going to come in here and, and be an impact player and be part of the playoff rotation this season or anything like that because they don't. I think it was a surprising trade because there is upside with this this player, um, and to get him from a rival. Um, in the Philadelphia 76ers for a second-round pick, um, you just don't expect to see. Uh, one thing this roster lacks is um, a wing that can come off the bench and defend, uh, you know, multiple positions at, at a pretty high level. You know, from any, you know, looking at a guy who can guard one to four, essentially. Um, the Celtics used to have that um, with their roster structure in the past, but they certainly don't have it now. Uh, Brissett's done a good job of putting in an effort, but he has limitations there. Um, certainly a good offensive rebounder and an overall um, better player than Springer is at this point in their career. But Springer is just a naturally gifted defender. Um, over the last week with injuries to the Sixers, you know, obviously everyone knows about Embiid, but Tobias Harris being out, among others, Springer has gotten a chance to play over the last week plus, and he's done really well on the defensive side. He's caused problems for some of the best players in the league. Uh, he's matched up against Steph Curry. He's matched up against Luka Doncic, and, and he's, he's more than held his own. And um, we've even seen some of that versus Celtics this season where he's he's caused problems with Jason Tatum. So he's he's a really good defender. He's a good off-ball defender. He's a good on-ball defender. He's an extraordinarily gifted athlete. Um type of guy if he has a, the the ball on the break, he's he's a really good finisher. Um he was one of the top recruited uh players in the country out of high school. Um so there there really is room for growth. Now he's he, He's not a good offensive player. He's not a really good shooter. There's, you know, hopefully he can work on those parts of his game and hopefully coming to Boston in a place where there's been some history of pretty good player development. They're able to um, assist him there and he's able to grow. And maybe you get something going into next season um, that you didn't expect. Maybe he becomes a rotation player for you next year. But what he does give you this year, um, for the limited time they're going to use him, is he's a guy that that can come in on, on nights where a player is going off, um, a wing player or a guard, and, and potentially cause some problems and, and disrupt um, a good player's rhythm. Again, they don't have that. You know, Peyton Pritchett doesn't give it to him. Sam Hauser doesn't give it to him. And if you look down the bench before, whether it was Lamar Stevens, who's Gone, Banton, or Matuak. They just don't. They don't have that. And now, now they do, and that's a valuable thing. Um, it's even something that you could potentially use in the playoffs. It's very highly unlikely, 
but it's potentially something you could use. Um, so I think this was a good deal from financial and roster flexibility perspective. And I think it was a good move to give your roster another element of something they did not have. Much in the same way Xavier Tillman, right? Xavier Tillman, you bring in here. He's a big body that has had success against some of the best players in the league, some of the best bigs in the league. Um, you know, however you measure success against those guys, he's had it. Um, and, and a guy that can cover wings as well. And, and potential roster flexibility where you now have his bird rights going into his unrestricted free agency next year. So if you're able to resign him at a number that fits for you, using the bird rights, that's another contract like you have with Springer and like you have with Peyton Pritchard that can be used to bring in somebody else down the line too, if, if need be. So um, a good job by Brad. You know, this if people were expecting fireworks at the trade deadline, I, I think, you know, they were probably – um, disappointed. It was probably a, a unrealistic expectation. You should not have been expecting fireworks. Um, this was about around the edges. And what Stevens did do is he gave them something they did not have on the roster. He gave them a defensive uh, big um, that, you know, matches up with the wider, bigger bodies in the league. It can also cover wings. And you gave yourself a wing slash guard that is really um, a talented defensive player that you did not, you certainly did not have that on your bench at all. So overall, I think as a Celtics fan, you have to feel pretty good. Um, as it relates to the rest of the league, in, in terms of the Celtics, I think the obvious is the Knicks. The Knicks um, bringing in uh, Bogdanovich from um, Detroit. You know, a scorer, someone that's had a lot of success against Celtics, actually, in the past. Um, he's up there in age. He can't really defend anymore, but he gives them an offensive punch um, and a guy that can go off for 20 to 30 points on any given night. And and that's that's a good thing for them. And then Alec Burke as well from um, Detroit is part of that same deal. And I, I expected them to go out and get a really good offensive player. Um, I know there was a lot of rumors around Bruce Brown. But I, I thought they were going to target someone like Bogdanovich. Um, I actually was worried that it would be someone like Jordan Clarkson that would really give them a boost. But what Bogdanovich does, what Burke does as well, it it doesn't inhibit them in any way from getting out, going out and getting a superstar this offseason. And in fact, the way this salary structure is set up for them now, it, it kind of increases those odds. Um, I would even put them in the lead over the Sixers uh, in that regard. Uh, the Knicks, uh, for years, uh, you know, I used to like to make fun of their, their management and, and what's going on over there. They know what they're doing, and they're one of the smarter um, management groups in the league now, which is hard to believe, and they're building something. And I actually would not be shocked to see a Celtics-Knicks Eastern Conference Finals um, with the way the standings are kind of going right now at all. You know, that would not shock me one bit if this this ends up being the matchup. They got a lot of dogs over there. They got, a you know, obviously the Villanova crew. They got a lot of guys that are willing to fight. They got a good roster. Um, I don't think it's good enough to get out of the East. I don't think it's good enough to win a finals right now or anything like that. But it's um, it's built a little bit the same way as those old IT teams, but more talented. Those IT Celtics teams, but more talented. 
So um, it was a good day for them. The Sixers, I'm not sure what they're doing. They brought in Buddy Hield, um, which would be a decent fit with Embiid and Maxi um, if Embiid comes back. Um, beyond that, I thought they could have done more. You know, at the deadline, I, I thought they really should have pushed hard to target some of the bigger names that were out there. And maybe they did, and it just didn't work out. You need willing partners, and you have some really bad um, player personnel um, departments across this league. Um, but I, I don't really look at them and say, wow, they drastically improved. Uh, trading up Pat Beverly to a rival. The Bucks was a kind of a weird move to bring in campaign. I, I, I don't really understand that move for them at all. Um, not that I guess it really matters. Um, so healed helps. Uh, and if Embiid comes back and he's healthy, that that could look like a lot better move than I'm seeing it right now. But I, I if I'm a Sixers fan, I really hope that Mori um, knows exactly what's going on. Um, in terms of what's going to be available this offseason, because otherwise this kind of felt disappointing, I would think, if I was a Sixers fan, especially with the amount of contracts they have available to trade now that they may not have once the offseason begins. Um, so, you know, an okay job. The other team that you obviously wanted to look at, could Milwaukee do anything to improve their defense? Um, I think Milwaukee... You know, it's no secret about how I feel about them. If you've been listening to this pod, I I think they're one of those teams where their record does not match their play. And you're seeing it now. They've lost five or six since dogs come in or four or five or something like that. Um, And defense continues to just to be a huge issue. I I wondered if they were going to try to package Connington and, you know, whatever second round picks they have left to try to bring in like a guy like Fetty Smith or Royce O'Neal to give them a wing defender, something they have not had in years. Um, they, they went the route of Pat Beverly, and I guess he helps. He's a smaller defender. I, I think he's a little bit overrated as a defender, um, but he's certainly a better fit there than campaign, so it was an improvement. I don't think it's done enough. I don't think it's a needle mover. I think they still have their same issues um, with wing defenders and, you know, Dame kind of being the top of the the spare on defense um, as a under um, size guard, so we'll see. You know, maybe Beverly just his um, you know can change the culture a little bit of what you're seeing over there, and, and you know they they still see themselves as championship contenders, and Giannis and Dame together they should. But I I don't think. I'd be uninspired if I was a Buck fit man. Um, and I know there's a lot of talk about buyouts, and we should get right into that and how it – oh, the other team that I did not think do what, did well, and a lot of te- people – this is, seems to be the the biggest disagreement if you're on Twitter around the league. I don't think Dallas did well. Um, I don't understand why you include a draft first-round pick when you basically have none left with Grant Williams to get P.J. Washington. I mean, Williams and Washington, they're almost the same player. Washington's a little bit better. I do think Washington's a little bit better for sure, um, but not enough to throw a first-round pick in with. But now, And now your, your cupboard's basically bare. So flexibility into the offseason and into the future is going to be limited. This is not a championship team. 
Um, they're not close to a championship team in Dallas. I, I don't like the way they play. I do think Daniel Gafford was a really good move. I, you know, earlier their first move, I thought that was a really good move, and I thought that was something you look towards future seasons. Um, I think losing your first round pick that you you actually you know had for flexibility and moves into next offseason was a mistake. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't think PJ Washington is going to be a guy that um, really moves the needle over there. I think they're a little bit better today than they were yesterday with him over Grant Williams, but it's not a huge, huge difference. Not enough for a first-round pick. Um, so th that's just my thought on that. All right, before we close this out, buyout. There's going to be a lot of guys out there in the market, and you know, you're know you going to have teams that need to bring guys in. Something to keep in mind, especially when you think about teams like the Celtics and the Bucks. They can't bring in anyone making over $12 million. That's a um, that's a mid level exception number, and the reason for that is the new CBA and the Celtics and Bucks are in the second tax apron, so they're limited on whom they can bring in. Now, from the Celtics' perspective, I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think they're looking or really need anyone that's going to be on the buyout market. You know, the Kyle Lowry's of the world, or um, Dino Gallinari's, or you you name it, whoever might be out there. It would be a bit of a luxury, but it's not something they need. Um, for the Bucs, I think it's a big deal. You know, I think they would love to go out and um, sign um, Marcus Morris. You, you know, is he's going to get released after being involved in the trade um, from the Sixers? I, I, I think he ended up in Memphis, and he's going to be released or bought out. He's making too much money. He's making $17 million now, so the Bucs can't be in on that wing. And, and you're going to see a bunch of that. Um, so... You know, if you're interested in a player, you see that he gets bought out, you probably, and you want him on the Celtics, take a look at his current salary. If it's north of $12 million, don't waste your time thinking about it or lusting after that player because the Celtics can't even talk to him. So that's kind of where it is under the new CBA. All right. Um, happy Friday, everybody. Tonight's the Wizards. Um, you know. The Celtics, I'm sure in the first half, we'll, we'll crush them and then cruise from there. And, and you know, I'm sure there will be a key play from the Celtics who get a, gets a night off. Talk to everyone soon. Have a great weekend.